What's up, guys? This is Rob, and I'm the vet. Hey, hey, I'm Murph, and I'm the maintenance man. What's up, guys? It's Shay. I'm the girl, and it's International Women's Day, and you guys all have to be nice to me today, so here's that. Welcome. Oh, Rob, your mic is not, I mean, as much as I enjoy not hearing you. Oh, my gosh. The pizzazz I had on my intro was, oh, my gosh. Can you just do, like, a little redo? Because I'm curious. We're going to redo it, guys. Hey, guys. No, see, now I don't don't feel it anymore. Scott Stapp would have never made that mistake. No, no. And look, I'm wearing a tank top. Scott Stapp, look, I have a little bit of Look at your chest hair. Right? Looking guys, good, I'm proud man. of it. I'm proud of it, guys. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of the Waiting Table Podcast, where we have roundtable discussions about the hottest topics in weight loss with, of course, the coolest people from the bariatric community. I'm Rob. We got Murph. We got Shay. And we got you guys. So grab a chair, wind down from your busy day, and take a seat at the table. We got a super exciting show tonight. Murph, how about you start us out with introducing our special guest, and Shay will start us out with something fun right after. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm like really excited uh, about this episode. Uh, Our guest tonight uh, is joining us from Los Angeles, California. I'm just going to jump right in, guys. I'm just going to (laughs) start. He is the author of the book, All the Reasons I Hate My 28-Year-Old Boss. He is a two-time Emmy-nominated TV producer who has worked on shows for Netflix, Disney+, Peacock, and Fox. He also spends way too much time and probably money on hair, pro- hair care products. Uh, please welcome everybody, uh, Philip Andrew Barb. Oh, hi, guys. What's up? Oh, hey. I'm, just, okay. I'm just over here working Look on my hair. volume. Oh, my oh, God. Snap, God so I well. love it. I didn't. I tried, I but I oh. couldn't get it. Uh, am I am I too loud? I'm always loud. No, you're good, man. You're That's good. kind of my thing. Uh, Shay, great to meet you. Murph, great to see you. Uh, I don't know who this other guy is because he didn't do an intro. No, uh, I know. Oh my gosh, I know. Um, and I'm I am so angry that I didn't get the memo that we can wear tank tops. I totally would have came in here with a tank no, top. No, I know. I, I wore um, one because I saw your last video. I'm like, dude, like when I saw you walking with your shirt off, I put a shirt on. I, I don't know. Like, I, I looked I, around and I put a shirt on. I was like, I, uh, I, I'm always ridiculous because I'll leave the gym and like, it'll be like 50 degrees off and I'll take my shirt off real quick and I'll do my little motivational videos getting home. And then I'll like put the shirt back on and everyone's like, what is wrong with this guy? And then also we're getting ready to go in. I threw up the, the virtual background. See, my hand is disappearing. Yeah, and I forgot like green is not like, I'm a TV <laughs> producer. You would figure that I would be better about not wearing green when it's green. Screen. <laughs> but it was too late. I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss the show. I'm excited to see you guys and, and dive yeah, into man. things. And well, uh, Murph, it's just awesome to see you, buddy. Hey, well, likewise, man. The show, Phil, just kind of start like kind of take like, your shirt off, man. And then by the end of it, you'll just have your shirt off. I think. Uh, I mean, it. you guys, Murph, did you not prep them on who I am? Because uh, that, you don't have to ask him twice. No, totally. That, yeah. No, I didn't tell them. <laughs> just anything, slowly, though. just rolling up the sleeves. I didn't tell them anything. And then, as as you slowly start rolling the sleeves, all of a sudden, I get sleeves that that rolled. <laughs> That's so no, man. fancy here. No, no, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited to kind of to dive in and, and, you know, talk with you guys. So thank you very much for having me on. Hey, it's our yeah, pleasure, man. It's, it's good to see you. The green, for some reason, the green shirt. You're, you're not a floating head. We can still oh. see the shirt. So that's, you know, it's pretty cool. And I, I, I rocked be... my, I rocked my, my Sparty. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. You know, I had, I had to rock. 
I had my on, and I was like, I wonder if, you know, I didn't want to match. So, so he I, opted for the cardigan. It's good. Mr. Rogers the cardigan. and stuff. Well, the, yeah, I'm, That's I'm good. One. Yeah. I'm free. <laughs> well, now that we have successfully made fun of Murph, that's always like how we kick off the show um, naturally. Do you guys want to play the game that I have? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. Well, I, I heard that Philip. Do you go by Phil or Philip? Like Murph calls you Phil. Everyone, I get at, that's the number one question. You'd think yeah. people would be would be interested in other things about me. They always ask that, and I have no good answer. Like, okay, you once I hit thirty, I was like, oh, I guess maybe I'll be this Philip guy. Uh, but anyone that's known me for a long time knows I go by Phil. Uh, Philip is fine. I'm, uh, but let, we'll roll with Philip. But if you call me Phil, I'm not going to be angry about it. Okay, that works. That works great. I'll think of um, uh, Prince Philip. So from Disney. So Philip, I heard you are like the biggest Creed fan. Like Huge. the guys just keep talking about how much of I a mean, Creed fan you are. No, I'm, I'm going to take me higher. Okay, so, no, this all started. I just felt like you just like, I don't know. That was just like a good song to share that you were coming on the show. And then it sent us down memory lane, thinking about all things Creed. And so I thought it would be fun to start us off with doing a little um, fill in the blank lyrics. So this is oh, how it's man. gonna play out. The top P H I L fill in the fill blank. Oh, that's good. Right? When I used to DJ, I had a small amount of time where I DJed and I was DJ fill in the blank. I thought I was so I thought I did my research. I knew that guys. Funny. Oh my gosh. Well, this is perfect. It didn't catch on, guys. It did not catch on. Pot on here, man. Time fill in the blank. Tens of twenties of people are gonna watch this on YouTube. It'll be good, man. So how it's gonna work is I'm gonna play the song, and then when I pause it. I don't know. I, I guess I haven't thought of this all the way through. But when I pause it, if you guys want to, you can just come in as, as like a choir to finish it. Yeah. Or if you guys want to, we could do like the per first per. Let's just do it as a choir. I just want to hear all of your voices. Okay. So I want you guys to fill in the lyrics once it stops. Are you oh, guys yeah. ready? We're jamming. Oh wow, we're getting serious. Rob, oh, Phil, getting ready. Phil, grab your guitar. Grab I'll grab my virtual guitar. Grab your virtual guitar. <laughs> Uh, right. You know what's funny? Real quick, I'll tell you, this is so ridiculous. Just because I know anyone that is watching this is like, why does this guy have a virtual background? This is actually a photo a yeah. of my actual place that I used to, like, I used to always, that was the background I used when I wanted to have, like, a nice looking background. And then I got so annoyed with always having to, like, turn my desk, because, you know, that's not how I would set up my office, right? Like, I got my office where I'm looking at the nice stuff and everything behind me looks crazy. Yeah. And uh, and then I just got so sick and tired of always having to change it that I would just actually took a photo of my photo of my office, put it behind me. But it normally, I mean, like, so I've got you know my name is up there on the little thing. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and actually the guitar isn't there right now. It's in the. I, I just took it to. I just took it in to get. Uh, it's it's at Guitar Center getting getting maintenance and set up and. There you um, go. But uh, but you one hundred percent need to play, Rob. So I'm excited. Hundred percent. All right. Are we ready? Are we ready? Let's play the game. Yes, we are. Okay. So when I pause it, you guys, so if you want to sing with it, you can to kind of get a flow going. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I pause it, you guys need to finish the lyrics. Okay. All right. Push All right. Let, let's start. Let's start. All right. And you'll have to tell me if you can hear it. Okay. Oh, that's easy. Mm -hmm. 
This place I want to see your face without a t-shirt. No t-shirt in here. Take it off. Phil won the blanks remix. Phil won that round. I think Phil got that one. I feel like you could win every round by saying. I thought I was going to do a full concert for you guys. I was ready. He's ready. He just wants to lead up to him taking a shirt off, which, hey, go for it, man. It's happening anyways. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you it's guys ready? Happen. Ready for yeah. the next one? Yeah, man. Yeah. Take me higher to the place where blind man sees. See it? Wow, that was great, guys. <laughs> Dr. Chivers coming in with the cowbell. Yes. Yo, he <laughs> is. All right, let's do one more. Are you guys one more? One more. Yeah. One more. Ready? Hold on, I gotta, I gotta cue it up here. I gotta get it to the spot. Uh, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this one a little harder, a little okay. harder because you guys are are doing pretty good. Because so. it's been so easy up to this point. <laughs> Okay, ready? You know the turn. Do, 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 do. And I said, oh, I walked out of the gym and I had this protein shake and I saw her in the corner. Judging. And she gave me her number. None of this makes sense. Wow. That, and then that she's was, like, hey, bro, lamesies. All right. That was beautiful, you guys. Thank you for being the first time members on Creedioki. That was Creedioki. Well, um, <laughs> we only did it for you. Happy yep. Women's Appreciation Day. That was my yes, only you. wish, and you guys granted it. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you, Shay. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. All right. We got some funny comments rolling in. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. We can be done for the night. I, I'm all right. Like, Thanks, guys, very much. Yeah. Uh, see you next guys. time. Thank you so for much for joining us on another a, episode. Of, yeah. Pound at a time. So, Phil, I was just saying it. We were on happy hour uh, right before this, which is our 15 minute. Uh, so I get to know everyone, you know, introduce someone from the bariatric community to everyone else who's jumping on on Instagram. And I was saying for me, you know, Morph and I started this about, I don't know, six, seven months ago. And I did not ever think that we would have a two-time, you know, nominated <laughs> producer on the show where it started with us like talking about poop and all the other stuff that we didn't even we... know like Murph had cool friends like this. I know we were just like, hey, look at this guy. This guy. Has one day, cool videos, one day I'll sort of have weird. a cool friend on, and you guys, right? Be... You know, one oh. day he's working up to that. I'm the I'm the intro. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it mean me and Murph go. I mean, we go way back, man. Way back. I mean, way back. I don't even like, like, I feel like, like inline skating. Roll, yeah. We, we, would, know, play, like, uh, we would play right there on, was it not McKittrick? What's the street uh, oh, that you, uh, oh man. You and Kennard, you and Kennard. We, we, yeah. I mean, and we, you know, we grew up in, in, you know, Shay Rob, I don't know where you guys are at, you know, but, you know, we grew up in Melvindale and yeah. in, you know, Metro Detroit. And, you know, it's funny because I, I talk, I talk a lot at, uh, I talk a, about where we're from a lot with people um, because I'll, once I, I didn't realize how crazy 
What's up, Phelps, man? I knew, I knew Phelps right would jump on here. I didn't yeah. realize how Cheers, ridiculous and crazy a lot of us were. And it wasn't until I left, you know, Melvindale and I started getting, yeah. I got to Michigan State and I then I got to LA and I started telling stories of like just things that happened on like a, you know, Wednesday, Thursday. And people would look at me and be like, dude, where? where are you from bro like that's, that's not, not normal like, that's that, not normal <laughs> no i had like a one of my closest friends at michigan state one time came around and he was like listening to all you know i had phelps there we were all around a bonfire telling all these wild stories and, and he was like you know i've got like one story like one good one from high school he's like and you guys are just non-stop i mean we're always i think it was the cool thing about always having like a really you know just a lot of us were like we, it was a very, it was a place where like a lot of people's parents grew up yeah. and then, you know, you grew up there, you kind of stuck around, you hung out. It was a smaller community. So you knew a lot of people. Um, and, uh, and I think one of the great things, also a thing that ended up, and I will dive into it a little bit that led to some of my issues. Right. But was we, because there wasn't, cause it wasn't like schools of 3000, 5,000 kids. Right. So you had a lot of people that spent, you know, you had, you know, a 10 year old that hung out with a, with an eight eight-year-old and a nine and a 10 and 11 and 12. And you hung out based on your neighborhoods and where you could ride your bikes to. Yeah. And so you didn't end up having a lot of, um, you know, I grew up, you know, I mean, Murph, you're, you're just a couple of years older than me. A lot of, you yeah. know, hung out with a lot of guys that were, you know, a few years older, um, which was awesome. Also exposed me to some things probably a little early on that, uh, you know, I probably should have been waiting on to start yeah. diving into things. And, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit, but, um, I'm, you know, I'm always super grateful for, for where we grew up, how we grew up yeah. Yeah. and, uh, really, you know, shout out to, you know, shout out to not just Michigan. Like, obviously I love Michigan, but like down river, what's up. I was just back in down river last week. I was speaking at, uh, Trenton high school. Yeah. Uh, I got an opportunity to speak at Trenton high school. Then I went up to Michigan state and spoke there and, um, love Michigan, hate the weather. It's freezing. <laughs> it's terrible y'all. Yeah. But yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean the, the town, I, th I think my, um, my graduating class was only like 180 something kids. I mean, it was, it was small, small town, but I feel like we had really good memories and it, quality time. I mean, there was just places, you know, that we would go uh, and, and things that we do and have fun. And, and I also, uh, you know, all very tight, all very tight knit. And so it, it, very tight knit, but also like an interesting thing. And, and it's a weird thing to kind of, talk about i guess but like i in, yeah. i'm sure this is like everywhere right i only have one experience to really comment on but um you had a, a lot of people that were like dealing with different stuff yeah you know and i think that that was something where like you know having a you know it wasn't silver spoon it wasn't no issues you had a lot of kids that were you know you know maybe single parent households or parents were split up or you know like it was an area that you know, had, you know, middle-class lower, you know, lower income area. It was right. just, you had people that were dealing with a lot, like with real life <clears throat> at a lot of at various ages, right? Like it wasn't like, uh, you know, everything was just peach, you know, peachy and cream for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us, I mean, even to, you know, it's funny, man, cause even getting ready to come on here and, and talk with you, Chris, it was like, I remember, um, I remember going to like a church over in Lincoln park with you and it was, yeah. you know, uh, um, Bill Bethel. Pruitt was, was one of the guys. Bethel. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember going over there and it's like, I can remember being like a, a young kid, like w going over there at like 11, 11 or 12 and like hearing the music. 
and like I wasn't very into the culture of going to church and I but I like there was a part of me man that like even at that young age that like I feel like I was I was looking for something outside of me dude yeah. like I was looking for something a community like I, and I didn't know what it was right like I had friends I played sports it wasn't like there were any super crazy red flags about life yeah but that part of me that was like I want to belong to something it was like that weird feeling that like there's something wrong. Yeah. Not like there's just, there's something missing. There's something, you know, and I think that in a weird way, like in, in having conversations and maybe it's like that everywhere, but I think for a lot of, you know, a lot of people that, you know, grow up, like you have that feeling and you, but you think it's only you, right? You think you're the only yeah. one that's like crazy broken and everyone else has a great life and figured out. Right. Um, and, but like, man, I can't even remember those times going there and just being like feeling like, oh man, I got to fix something. There's something wrong with me. I need yeah. something outside of me, um, yeah. which led to a lot of, you know, bad behavior later on in life. But uh, I'll, I, I talk a lot, you guys. So you'll have no, to okay. and and cut me off. No, okay. <laughs> and, and, and you know, Phil, that's, and that's why you're here, man, because, yeah. you know, here at the, at the waiting table, we, we, you know, it's, it's the majority of our audience has had bariatric surgery, but that said, the majority of our audience has been through some stuff. You know, right. we, we've all been through some sort of traumatic experience or, or had, um, you know, separate households or something has caused us, um, you know, Phil, I talked to you maybe three years ago. I was at my lowest, my highest weight, my lowest at, at everything else. And, and I talked to you and, and, and I had this conversation about how you had battled this addiction that you had. And, and, it, and, and then it kind of dawned on me just from the, the conversation I had with you, I realized I've been battling addiction my whole life as well. And it's not, it wasn't alcohol or drugs or anything like that, but it was food. For me, it was food. When, when my aunt passed away, um, you know, that was my go-to. And, and all of a sudden I, I realized like, this is killing me and I didn't care. And I was at this crossroads and talked to you and, uh, <laughs> it's too soon to cry. I'm not going to do it. I was going to write it oh, in the no, comments. No, no. Honestly, get back up it's there. not too soon, bro. No, like, I, let it out. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, man. No, but but Phil, Phil, man, it, you know it means a lot to me to have you here because this is a real like full circle moment where you were one of the first one of the first people. There, there were like a, a good handful of people that just like came around me all at the same time, and you were definitely one of them. And, uh, and, and, and kind of snapped me out of it. And I realized like, I'm not the only one dealing with this stuff. Like Phil, you weren't, you know, 464 pounds, but you came to a crossroads in your life and you had to make a choice and a decision. And, and so that's something I think that we can all relate to. And, and that's what we do here at the waiting table. This is a table for everyone to come together. It doesn't matter, you know, what sort of addiction you're dealing with or what sort of, um, problems you're having or, or your upbringing we are all dealing with something and so um that being said phil unless you guys have other questions i i, I think you know we could just go right into phil if you want to share a little bit about your story for um, sure man you know your, Dude, your addiction I, and, and where, you, where you've come from i love you man i, I really appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that man because it's um it's true man like it's you know for me it was alcohol for some people it's you know it, it's it's food, it's drugs, it's, you know, it's porn, it's sex, it's all of, you know, it's overworking. It's, it's, we're, we all have those things and it just ends up being 
where do we turn? Like, what was it that turned, you know, where we turned Yeah. in those moments of not being of, of, of fear of, of wanting comfort, wanting control. Where did we feel? Or, you know, for me, you know, I'll, I'll dive in, you know, so much for me was, it was about escaping me. You know, I think, you know, growing up in our community, you know, my mother, my mother was involved in school board. My father was on the police force in, you know, our town. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of always grew up feeling like, you know, we, we mentioned a guy named, you know, Steve next door. His dad was the mayor, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like the, we had, there was this part of you that felt like, um, you know, like I needed to be the perfect kid. Like I needed to be the cops kid. I needed to be the school board members kid, the neighbors that, you know, like hanging with Steve. It was like, you guys got to be, a, you know, represent something. Yeah. Um, and then all the pride that came with being from where we were from. And, but then I still like all those guys, you know, dude, you guys were older than me. I was insecure. I wanted to be cool enough and funny enough and smart enough to hang with the older kids and, you know, didn't want to get made fun of, you know, and I wanted to fit in. So it's like, I'm trying to like be cool with you guys. And then I'm trying to be the perfect kid with my parents and in school and like all and then the natural perfectionism of wanting to be the best at everything. And it was like, I mean, dude, and we're talking like six, seven, eight years old. Like this isn't like it came down the line later on. And, you know, like I never knew anything else. And it was never handed at like my parents never pressed that on me. Like there's a, you know, there's that element of me that's just like, that's how I was, that's how I was made, man, you know, made. That's how like a lot of, you know, where my brain kind of went. And, um, you know, so for me, it was like going through school, kind of having those moments of, of trying to fit in, being insecure and, and fitting it on the outside. Right. And everything on the outside being very, very, uh, you seem like a normal kid, normal childhood, great family, all these things. But deep down having that piece we talked about earlier that just didn't feel right. That didn't feel whole. Um, and I was always in my head, always in my head about trying to be, uh, you know, like I said, the cool enough, the funny enough, and like hanging around the older guys when everyone was kind of 14, 15, 16, started drinking and smoking weed. For me, I was like 11 the first time I ever got drunk, you know? And so there's a part of me, it was like, A, yeah, it felt cool to be like with the older kids and being felt like you're being accepted by them. But it was for me who was always in my head, always concerned about what other people were thinking about and it turned it off. Yeah. And that's what I became addicted to. I became, I didn't want to think I didn't want to be concerned. I wanted to not care. And it was like, that was really what it was. I wanted to not care. And it, so in a weird way, right? Like everyone talks about like praying and meditation and like being present. The only thing that made me present was drinking. Yeah. Cause any other time I was in the future, I was in the past. Yeah. And so you, you know, I'm drinking, it's not right. Obviously, you know, I, I always talk with my dad cause obviously he knows I do a lot of podcasts. I tell my story a lot and he's always, you know, I try to have to like beat up on him cause he's always bummed. He's like, man, I can't believe I didn't know. It's like, bro, I was 11. Like who's thinking. Right. And it wasn't like it was every weekend. Right. But that seed had been planted of right. that's where Phil goes, or that's an option in a way that I didn't have other options. I didn't have seven. I, I didn't have 19 other tools that a therapist had given me when I was 11 to deal with my issues. I had yeah. one and it was drink. It was forget. And it was just move on. Yeah. So fast forward, get into school, uh, you know, or get, you know, get into middle school, get up to high school. Um, and when I'm 14 years old, so a sophomore in high school, uh, my mother was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer, 
We had a year long battle with her. She passed away uh, 11 months after we found out a week before my, my 16th birthday. So you've got a kid now, right? I'm 15, 16. I'm sad, lost. I don't know how to actually be real vulnerable. I know how to give you rehearsed vulnerability. I know enough to tell you all the right things. Oh man, it's, you know, it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's really sad. And it happened, you know, bad things happen to good people, but you know, like, we just got to remember the good moments and I'm really going to just, you know, uh, honor her with, and in my head, I'm so pissed because yeah. you don't understand what I'm going through. And right. I felt so alone and I felt like I needed to do it all by myself. And I, oh, and I felt like I genuinely felt like I needed to just move on. It was like, I genuinely felt like, okay, just move on. And it was, and so you have all that going on, but what's the one thing that I knew that I could do to escape in my head? So I would drink, right? And when I drank, all I wanted to do was, I, I wanted to be stifler in the worst way, right? Like I wanted to be that guy that was fun and entertaining and wild and would do the thing you didn't think he was going to do. Yeah. And that's, you know, like, it, and then where that ended up kicking off for me, right? And, and the crazy thing with all of this, right? was still keeping that outside performance up, mm, right. you know, was still keeping the, you know, got to Michigan state, got on the Dean's list, was able to graduate Michigan state in three or three and a half years a semester early. So it was like, I'm doing all these things to try to, to be an overachiever and show that on the outside, I'm okay. When deep down, I was still really sad and lost and didn't know what was going on and didn't know how to communicate it. And, and then, you know, I was also in a, you know, and I think this is the tough thing is, is when you're put in environments that kind of encourages it, right? Like I was in college, I was in a fraternity. We're all drinking. No one seemed, you right. know, like it's, you know, we end up getting around friends that participate in activities that we like to participate in. And, you know, no one, no one, you know, it, it has to get really bad before anyone starts making comments. Right. So for me, it was like 18 I uh, was drinking and driving, crashed my car in Detroit. Uh, 19, got arrested again at Michigan State for, you know, minor in possession. 20, got arrested again at Michigan State for minor in possession. And was still going through all the, you know, some of the things, hiding some of the stuff from the family, some of the, you know, they knew. One time, dude, in Melvin, I came back one time in, uh, and I was like driving around drunk. And I almost hit a neighbor. And... I actually don't tell this story that often, but um, I almost hit a neighbor and the neighbor came over and I didn't know who it was. I was so drunk. I didn't know who it was. I tried to fight him in front of his family on my street in Carroll street, you know? And it was like, my parents like, were like, dude, you're done. Like they had to like cut me off financially. Like they were scared to throw, you know, get me out of school. And I was like, it, it's, it's crazy to think now, right? Cause when you're in it, like it's so easy to justify so much stuff away, right? It's in, yeah. it, and, and it's easy now to look back and connect so many dots, right? Like, of course, dude, you were a kid going through grieving and you're, you're, but when you're in it, you don't realize that you don't connect all those dots of yeah. why you're doing the things that you're doing, why you're being self-destructive, why you're, why you're harming yourself, why you're doing things that you even know are not good for you, yeah. but you're still doing it. And, you know, I ended up, so I graduated Michigan state, got back to, uh, got ready to move to California. And then 11 days before I moved, I got a, a fourth arrest. I got a DUI, no joke, right across the street from where my dad and stepmother got married. Right. It was like, it couldn't, it was like 25 feet away. It was ridiculous. 
and I got pulled over from the only cop, from the newest cop on the force that didn't recognize the last name, you know, and it was like in, and it was able to finally stick and, and I finally got the last, it was, I couldn't hide behind anything anymore. I love it. I don't, can't know. I don't know if you guys can hear right? it. Right. Yeah. Silent, bro. Like it was, who has the sound effects playing? I, I did. Love it. I did. Uh, is that, is, I'm, in, I'm in LA. So it's definitely on my end probably. No, um, it's on someone's end, but yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> um, but I think it was like, and so then that kicked off, you know, I, that kicked off the journey for me mm-hmm. of getting sober, um, and, you know, I'd love to say that, like, you know, I, I'm i a scam artist, dude. Like, I, you know, I'm a cop's kid. Like, I try to think of everything through. So I'm going to the court and I'm going to go to AA because, like, it's going to look good on my court card. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to go through and I'll go, you know, it'll get my parents off my back a little bit. There was a little piece of me that knew, like, yo, dude, you're messed up. You need to get some stuff figured out. But I was 22, man. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know how, you know, we didn't have all the conversations around mental health and addiction that we do now. You know, like, I speak at these high schools and I talk to these kids and, like, you know, 13, 14 years old, they're so aware of this stuff. And I was like, we never had conversations about mental health ever when I was in high school. You yeah. didn't know anything. And and it was ne- and if it was, it was never a serious conversation. It was never, you know, like, I mean, I can I can think of a handful of times, even with some of our friends that went through stuff. And it's like maybe a hug, you know, maybe a hug. And hey man, sorry you're going through that. But like that was, I mean, that's the extent of it. Um And also, you know, and just shout out to any of the parents that are listening. Like if you are not having the difficult conversations with your kids, they're having it with their friends and their friends are not mentally prepared to be able to handle those things. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't care how difficult the conversation is, you know, and parents do this all the time. You know, I talk to a lot of parents when I'm out at the schools and they're like, man, I want, you know, I tell my kids to share with me. I tell my kids that they can talk to me, but it's like, but are you, are you showing them what that looks like? Or are yeah. you just saying that to them? Are you yeah. showing them what actual vulnerability and authenticity and real conversation looks like? Because if if you're not modeling the behavior, they have no way of learning it. And if they don't trust coming to a parent, they go to their friends and their friends have no idea what they're talking about either. Like, hey, yeah. shout out to a lot of, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16. I'm not taking any life advice from a 15 year old, you know? <laughs> um, so well, anyway. That was my little, my little rant there for a second. But so basically I got into, so I got into AA, got sober, started to really uncover a lot of, a lot of the stuff for me that was, you know, was a lot of the root cause of things. And like, totally. Yeah. I mean, my mother passing away was there, but like I had a lot of stuff, man. There was a a lot of stuff from, and I'm sure you guys all relate, you know, like Mm -hmm. stuff when you're like five, six, seven, like when you actually go back and you start looking at you know, for us in AA, we do step work and you go back and you rewrite all your entire inventory of everything in life. And I went back and I was amazed at yeah. some of the emotion that I still had attached to things that happened to me at seven, yeah. at eight, because it's so foundational yeah. Yeah. of who we are. Yep. Absolutely. And until we go back and, and are like, wait a minute, dude, do I still trust that seven-year-old's brain to like, real? <laughs> like I'm 37. Should I be like listening to little Phil about how this person made him feel and how right. he made up this story of who he needed to become right. in order to so see he would never get hurt again. But we do it all the time. Yep. You know, um, I'm going to stop talking and let you guys ask some questions. Cause I like, you know, I can go in on and no, on that's... and on. I'm just coming off a speaking tour where all I was doing is talking. So let me stop. I love no, it. I, yeah. It's, it's awesome. And, and I think that is a big reason why we thought that you would be great for the show is, is a lot of the things that you're talking about, especially how some of this behavior is so foundational and deep rooted in us. 
I have this conversation all the time with other bariatric patients or people just getting into it or people new. I just did a reset and people were asking me about what a dietary reset would mean for me. And, you know, I've, I've been about two and a half years into my surgery here. Um, and, you know, people ask questions. I'm like, it's also fighting 30 something years of poor habits that we grew up with. And, and for me, coming from an immigrant family, a big part of it is like, oh, always finish your food. You know, you can't have an empty plate. You got to finish all that. And so you you do that. And, and um, a lot of times we don't think of the behavior or we only think of the behavior, but we don't t- correlate that with the experience or the emotion or everything else that comes with it. And I think that a big part of my success, and I'm sure a lot of the other people's success and yours as well, is being able to have a better relationship and understanding with some of the things that you had to go through and really confront them as opposed to just sort of take it at face value. So, yeah. I mean, I, I always remember like when I got to AA and people were like, welcome to AA, we're going to ruin drinking for you. And it was that idea. I was like, I learned too much about why I was using it to then want to go back. Right. Now, I will, and I'll say, look, I, I've never, I haven't had, you know, eating issues, but like I've always felt, I mean, like cold turkey alcohol is an advantage that I had that people that you guys still have to eat food. You, you yeah. know, it's like, I don't know how it would have worked if it wow. was like, Phil, you can have two and a half beers every single day. But nothing more, nothing less. That's that's what you need. You need between. That would have been really difficult, you know. And so I, I, you know, my heart goes out, and I, I have so much respect and, and appreciation for, for your guys's community and what you you each have done and, and what your community is. And it's, you know, one of the. And I don't even know if this correlates somehow, but you know, one of the. One of the biggest things that I I talk with a lot of people about when they're newly sober, is is this like, what do I, like, what do I say? Like, what, how do I explain this? Like, do I got to tell everyone I'm sober? I don't want to have that. Like, what do I drink when I go out? Like, like I have a what? like, and I always tell them, I was like, Hey, just have one good line. All you need is the one good line that like sets it. Hey, it's for health reasons or what, like what tell what it is, but like have that line ready. But I have to imagine that it's gotta be very difficult when you're trying to make that a life change and you're trying to explain it to people that just, right? Like for us, it's like, well, can't you just have one? You know, yeah. for you, it's like, well, can't That's you just, can't you just do it in, in moderation? And it's yeah. like, oh, thanks, bro. Never thought of that. Like, yeah. I really appreciate it. Like that you simplified all of my traumas into like a very simple, you know, like, oh, great. Thanks. I'm yeah. cured now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's awesome hearing you bring that up though, because, you know, uh, with me speaking with people so much about this, it's, I've never really thought about it. And this bring it back to what you're talking about with alcohol, being able to cut cold turkey. We can't cut food cold turkey, right? We have to continue doing that. And so that struggle is is definitely always there. Um, and that's such a great point because, you know, a lot of people talk about how hard it is to manage everything. And, and with us having to eat regularly all the time and, and in social settings and, and what you talked about, always have a good line. It's tough too, because I think there's a big, portion of the bariatric community who still don't like telling people that they've had bariatric surgery because there's always the stigma that bariatric surgery is the easy way out. We talk about that a lot here because people don't understand. Again, sure, it's it's like, okay, I don't have to eat as much. But again, 
it's changing habits that I've had for 30 plus years. It's not an easy thing to, to be, to say, Hey, I can't chug water anymore. Something so small as drinking water. I can't chug. I can only sip water, small amounts, or I can eat, I can eat a certain amount. I have to chew a certain amount or I get stomach aches or I can't have all this. Right. It, it's, there's such big changes. And, and having that one line is, is definitely really hard for a lot of people, I think with, with bariatric surgery. So that's a really good point. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, that's the tough thing is always, the other, you know, people in our lives that, you know, we, it happens a lot in, in AA where people will, you know, they, it's, it's a struggle to try to like maintain your support system, but then your support system doesn't necessarily understand it or people, you know, the one thing that I've really had to come to terms with is like sometimes, and this is just in life, right? Sometimes I just have to give people permission to be wrong about me, you know? And I, and, and that's really it. I just got to give people permission to completely be wrong about me and, and realize that it, I can't get hung up on it and appreciating that. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's such a kind of cheesy thing. I stole it from one of my buddies who's a pastor. Right. But like, you know, that hurt people, hurt people thing. It's yeah. like when you're happy, yeah. when you have a, when you have peace and joy and in, in, in your heart and you're a caring, loving person, mm-hmm. you don't want to hurt people. That's right. It doesn't even right. come to you to think of it. You don't think of tearing people down. You just want to be supportive and loving and caring of people. So the opposite of that is a lack of that. So when people are saying mean things or hurtful things, and a lot of times it's not that they mean to, right? I think a lot of times people are, they try to be understanding and helpful, blah, blah, but they're not filled they haven't done work on whatever their stuff is yeah. to be filled with the, the spirit of being able to just be kind and loving at every state and accepting at every stage of the game. And sometimes it, once again, you just got to like chalk it up to like, Hey man, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. I need to have compassion for this person, even though you said something that really hit me. But you know, sometimes I have to appreciate that. Like you don't know what you're up to, man. Like you don't even know how hurtful that was. So I'm going to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to wish the best for you. I'm going to chalk that up and realize that like, I can't hang on to that comment that you just made. And then I'm going to go back and find my community of people that I can, that I know to lean and love on. Um, And uh, it's look, it's, I think why you guys love doing this is because you know how difficult it is. Like everyone, if you're watching this, like we know it's not easy. If it were easy, we wouldn't, have conversations. We wouldn't need to have conversations about it. Mm-hmm. How many podcasts are about tying your shoe? There's not a lot of sh- tie your shoe podcasts because it's pretty easy to do. It's not the hardest thing to do. So Shay has conversations one. Conversations about it. Yeah, you, know? you, you kind of that comment that you just made right now. That I'm just gonna leave that and, <laughs> and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I got lost. I got lost when I said shoelace. So. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I wanted to kind of like bring a common thread to that just stuck out when you were talking was running away from yourself. And I think that's a common thread that all I'm pretty sure I could speak for everybody here um, in this conversation. But I think a lot of people who are listening as well, it for me, it showed up in running away from myself for so long. And I saw that with what you were saying, Philip, of like, you know, having to be having to perform and be this and be that. And that didn't really leave room for like who you were actually created to be. And so I'm curious, like, as you've been on this journey of finding out, like, who am I? Like, who, who is this person? 
How has that felt? Because I know for me, it's been, I just had my surgery a year ago and that was really the catalyst of learning that for myself. And um, for me, it's been really like scary and really cool. And so I'm just curious for you, because how, how long has it been since you've been sober? I think you said like 15 years. years right? Yeah, 15. It's been 15, 15. years. Yeah. yeah. So that's, was that kind of your catalyst to learning kind of like who you were more and how did that feel? Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it definitely forced me to be asked a lot of questions that I had never even thought were questions that needed to be asked for sure. Um, I think it's, you know, you know who we are, right? I just finished reading a book that, you know, talked all about, you know, who, who is the, who is that voice in your head when you're talking? Like, who is that? Is that you or, but no, because you're having a conversation who, who it right? very spiritual book. Right. But I think there's like, who are we is such a crazy question, right? Like, am I the person I am at work? Am I the person I am when I'm on a podcast? Am I the person when I'm with my buddies smoking cigars? And like, who are we? The truth is like, we're a combination of all that stuff. And, but I think one of the big things is we get to choose that. And I think there's a part of, you know, you hear one, when I do coaching, one of the, one of the things I love hearing people say is like, well, that's just who I am. I've always been that way. Cause that's such a great thing that we can dive in and break apart because it's like you were that way and you are that way because of a reason it served you at some point. And look, most of us are great people. It's not that we need to completely change every single thing about us and who we are. And, and, you know, like we're, we're pretty solid people but with a couple of character defects that we should probably be aware of from time to time. So it's really being able to look at who we are and say, all right, what are some of the changes that I might want to make? You know, what would be something and, and it's being intentional. Um, you know, one of the things that one of the when, earlier, Chris, when, when you were, when you were getting super emotional and we were waiting for you to cry. Uh, uh, no, I, one of the things that I loved about that man is, is I wrote down, you know, when I thought of like who I want to be right Not look, we write the accolades and like the, the book and the, the, that stuff you write it because it's bullet points for the intro. Right. But like, if we were at my funeral and everyone was talking about how great of a TV producer it was, or, you know, like that'd be such a failure. I would view yeah. that as such a failure. And so what I really wanted to focus on and, and when I would write, you know, mission statements for my life or affirmations or goals of what I wanted to be, it wasn't, what do I want to do? It was like, what type of a person do I want to be? Mm. And one of the big things for me is like, I want to be the first call when I have a friend going through a divorce. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to be the first call when someone is struggling with addiction. Like I not, and not from a place of like, I need to have an ego because I'm out here trying to save the world. It's not about that. It's. I've had so many, I've had so many strangers through my life, through AA and also friends. And I've, I've been given so much so freely that I just want to be able to give back a little portion of it. And just because I, I truly believe it's what makes the, you know, it's what, it's how we are able to be positive and it's how we're able to like, try to be a light in, a, in, in our world. And that's, what's important to me is being able to be the type of person that somebody can like reach out to on IG. Or that they can, you know, hit me up and, and that is, you know, like, I don't know, I guess, I guess, I guess you say like, who am I? Like, well, I, I hope I'm him. Like, yeah. it's that, like, I hope that that's who I am. I hope that, um, if, you know, I was just at a, it had a, we had a friend out here in LA that unfortunately passed away and we had a memorial for him yesterday. 
and we were at this and it was like, you know, it always brings up those thoughts of, you know, the end and what do you want to, what do you want to leave? And like, what do you, you know, like, and it's like for our buddy that, you know, it's like, he's not sitting around worrying about his bills anymore. Like he's not stressing about, like, there's so many things that steal our joy in our peace yeah. in our, our ability to to love one another and our ability to show up for people. There's so many things in this world that steal that and try to rob us of those moments that like it be what we, what we really need to be doing is just being intentional, understanding that who we are is our choice. There's elements of our personality. Sure. You can't change everything, but there's elements that we get to choose. Like what type of a person do I want to be? How do I want to spend it? How do I want to show up for the people that I love in my life? How do I want and then do your damnedest to be that person, even when it feels uncomfortable, even when it doesn't come natural and do it until it does, because those are the, that's what matters. Like, that's what, that is what matters is being able to, to connect with people and be there, you know, like, I, that's all. I don't know, man, that, well, I appreciate I, the question for sure. That's great. Yeah. And, and I'm just so curious. So uh, to give you a little bit of background, Philip, like I, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. And so I moved, um, I live in Oregon now and I moved when I was 13 and it's just so funny. I'm just curious to know how you got to LA, like in the industry you're in and doing what you're doing, because for me, I'm so grateful that we left in the time that we did um, a 13 year old girl. It's like, it was a really good time to leave for me. And yeah. um, now I go back and visit a lot and stuff and it's like different, but I'm just curious. Cause it's like, it seems kind of interesting that your story that you've had and yet you've ended up in LA where I, I guess I've just heard more stories of people starting in LA, having their struggles going somewhere else. So like, how did that all unfold? I, I mean, I, I talk about, I, I'm so grateful for that, for that DUI. Like I was, I was 22 and I had like 600, $700 or something ridiculous that like, and I thought like, once I get to LA, I'm going to take this thing serious. Like, I'm not going to get caught up in the partying and drinking. Like I'm going to, cause I care about my career. I would like, I was drinking like five, six days a week when I was in, you know, like it was, it was more than just the recreational thing. Like if I had not gotten sober, if I, like, if I had moved in, you know, like my parents talk about, like, they were terrified. They were terrified for me to move out there at that time. I would have gotten so wrapped up in the LA mess that, that takes on, that, that destroys so many people out here. That year of sobriety that I got, you know, I, I got in trouble. I had to get sober. And then I, you know, had a year basically until I left and moved out to LA. And it was like, that, that I'm so blessed for that foundation. Um, and you see it all the time, right? People like move locate. They think they're going to run away from their problem. Like, Oh yeah. Like they think their problems don't cross state lines. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, but yeah, I would have been in a, in a mess. And so like getting out to LA, it was, I will say like having that sobriety, it helped like being able to like find a local, local sobriety here. You know, I, I really leaned heavily on like the Michigan state alumni group and just, trying to do anything that I could, you know, I had never been West of Wisconsin. You know, I didn't really know when I did, when I did finally move out, I didn't even have a place to stay. Like I did a road trip with friends and, uh, 
we were we did like a 13 day road trip. I got to I got to Chicago and called the girl that I was supposed to stay with, and she was like, "Oh, sorry, you can't stay here anymore." You know, and but it's I think it's kind of one of I think there's an element of like maybe being that age. I just wasn't I didn't see all the problems in it that I would see now, right? Like and and I always I tell my parents even I'm like, man, I appreciate you guys supporting that because. You know, I'm a little bit more controlling than my pops is. You know, I feel like I would have been like, "Wait, I need to know. I need to know where you're going, who you're staying." Like he, you know, I would have needed so much more. But you know, and I got really lucky. You know, I I moved out to LA, and you know, those first couple months were very interesting, right? Like I got a job at PacSun, I got a job at Vitamin Shop. You know, I was freaking out because I'm like, got a four year degree from Michigan State, and I'm selling old women Metamucil and folding little kids board shorts. Like I didn't know what you know, I didn't know what was going on, and. uh but, you know, I, I would go to the gym and then I would go play basketball and it was kind of rinse and repeat. And then I would just tell people, hey, you know, the one thing that, you know, I talk with a lot of the, the college kids about this when they're doing career prep and, you know, like I met a guy playing basketball and he asked me what I did. And there's something in, in it that like, I didn't, I didn't tell him where I was at. I told him where I wanted to be. You know, I told him I want to, I want to work in entertainment. I don't even know what that means, but I want to be in entertainment. You know, that's what I want. And, and he was getting, he was getting promoted as soon as he found somebody to take his job. And he ended up coaching me through the interview process, got me, helped me out. I got hired on a show called Undercover Boss for CBS. It opened in you know, huge. I actually was on the phone with him earlier today. Like he's still one of my closest friends. We met playing basketball, talking trash to each other at the park. <laughs> and, but the, the lesson, you know, I always say is like, in it, you know, look, I love him to death and he's one of my closest buddies. If it wouldn't have been him at the basketball court, it would have been somebody else that I was just constantly telling people what I wanted to do. Yep. And I think a lot of the times I know we all can get very insecure, especially when we're in a transition in life, we can get very insecure about, you know, oh, don't tell people what you want to do or don't tell people your plans. And, and, you know, like I very easily could have been like, Hey man, when he said, what do you want to do? I, 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 Hey man, I work at vitamin shop and it could have been the end of the conversation, but like sometimes, sometimes we've got to be comfortable or, or just not even being comfortable. It's just being bold enough to state what you want, even when you don't even know how to get it yet. There's some power in saying, this is what I want. And I'm okay with the fact that like, I don't have it yet. I don't know how to have it yet. I don't even maybe know the first six steps of it. But the first step is saying, that's what I want. And being intentional and being bold enough to start including other people in that conversation. Um, And I always found, you know, I always found that more and more people, you know, I think it's, it's so easy. We talk, we tell this to actors all the time when they come in, it's like they get in their head and they think like, at the end, like, I want you to be good. I don't want to, in- I don't, like, if somebody comes in for a casting for a TV show, I don't want to interview 100 people that are terrible. I want every- I want you to be good because I want to do a good job and I want to get someone in that role. And I think sometimes when we care about things, we start thinking that everyone wants us to fail or that nobody wants to help us or that they're going to see us as a burden or a problem or we're needy. And so now, and that's that voice that makes us feel like we have to do everything by ourselves. And then, but I have found, and I'm sure you guys probably have too, because it's the the, the amazing nature of people. People want to help, man. Mm-hmm. Those people with good hearts that care that like, they get it. 
they want to help. And I have found so much, so much support and joy from people, much more than the haters that were like, I can't, well, you don't, you didn't even drink that much, bro. Or, or the yeah. old, you know, I spilt more beer than you've ever drank. Like, cool, yeah. man. <laughs> but like for every one or two of those people that didn't understand or didn't want to buy into the dream or didn't want to help, I've been overwhelmed with the amount of people that want to show up and want to help out other people, even if they don't know how, even yeah. if it's just, Hey man, rooting for you. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes look, if, 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 we don't all know how to get somebody to where they need to go. It's not our responsibility, but we can always say, Hey man, I'm rooting for you. Yeah. Any way I can't, Hey, just, there's probably not much I can do to help. I don't know anything about the world that you're about to in, dive into, but I just want you to know, man, you got support and I, you know, like I'm behind you. That goes a long way, man. Yeah. It really does. I love the comment that you made about, um, you know, putting out there what you want, uh, because in our community, that's a huge thing. Um, I, you know, with, with a lot of the peer mentoring I do with the hospital, a big part of it is, you know, I have these conversations with people and people will talk to me and they'll say, I can't imagine doing the things that you've done. And I can't imagine running a 5k, can't imagine running a half marathon, doing a triathlon or any of these things. And and for me, a lot of the questions I ask them, I, I always ask them when in our discussion, don't tell me about like what you wish you could do. What do you, what are you going to do? Like if you could just choose anything, if you could do anything, you know, what would it be? And I always ended it with asking them, do you think I thought that I could do any of these things that I'm doing now, but yet I'm doing it all the time. Like this is my life now. And I think that's a big part of it, putting yourself out there, putting your thoughts and your dreams out there and, and really making them come to fruition. Because if we think based on our limitations, we're not going to get anywhere. And, and, you know, likewise with what you were saying, right? A lot of times, and, and Chris Phelps mentions the same thing or similar thing in terms of, um, you know, see, someone seeing his eagerness to take a chance and and people helping him. That's how he got his start. Like, put yourself out there. And I think the same thing with our bariatric community. There's nothing wrong with wanting to say, hey, I want to be able to run a half marathon or I want to be able to fly uh, on an airplane and not feel discouraged or embarrassed because of the seatbelt. I don't want, you know, all these things don't you don't have to think small. And I think a lot of times we think too small. Uh, and for me, it's the big thing that was always limiting for me is I like that big dream. I love that big idea. I love that thing for me. If I closed my eyes, it was always this specific visualization of me hanging out with my kids as a parent who can actually carry them, stand, walk, and not be in a wheelchair or not be um, sort of sitting in a chair watching them do all these things and grow up. And that was big enough for me because I watched my kids do so much. I, I always say, like, if I could be, if I could be, um, an absentee parent while still being there, that would be me, right? I was there, but I wasn't. And, you know, I, for, for our community, you can dream big. You can do any of these different things. It's, you're, you're the limitation there, right? And how you think. And, and I think it's, and for some, right, I, it's understanding that there's both sides of that, right? Like, I would, like, I could have never been 15 years sober when I walked into AA. Like that didn't even, that wasn't even on my head of like, oh, like if I were trying to get, like, 
I would have, it was, it would have been too much pressure. Right. So, and you know, when I do goal setting with, with clients, right, it's, we build that big vision. We build out that, you know, three, four, five year vision of what we want. But then we also have to like bring it back to like very small steps now. Right. And I think that that's where, and you find some people are either good at one or the other, right? They're either very, very short term and it's doing little things, but it's not attached to a bigger goal or a bigger meaning that like that when the resistance hits that, that dream is strong enough to keep them going or we build, you know, we've heard the like, Oh, if you're, I don't know why I'm giving it the bad voice. <laughs> I was like, if you know, if your 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 goals aren't big enough to scare, or if, they, if they don't scare you, they're not big enough, right? Like, okay, cool, because I want to be scared my entire life to, trying to be something. But it's like sometimes we can make get, things that are so lofty that we get it it beats us down because we're like, I could never do that. Like that's so big that it doesn't feel real. So it's like, I always, you know, it's so funny. One of the reasons that video games are so addictive at times is because they're, they're actually designed really well for like goals, right? Like I, you play a video game and it's like, you know, the big mission, right? You got to, okay. You got to go save the princess, right? Or you got to, you got to defeat the enemy, right? The big thing that's going to be, that's going to take you 75 hours to do, right? Yep. But you know what that is, but you're not always focused on that. Because you have smaller little things that keep popping up that tell you like, hey, like maybe go over here and then go find this, go find, go fight that small little goblin over there. I'm, I'm, I don't know what game I'm playing, but, but you know, and it's, I play it, whatever. Right? It's, yeah, it's a, go yeah, it's kill a the game. goblin game. And it's then, and game. then you've got, and, and then there's the little score, right? So there's the little tracker. There's the, you can see yourself leveling up. Right. You're getting more. And so there's all of these little things that actually go into the way that they design video games that actually kind of make it very, if you were to apply it, it kind of makes success seem more attainable. Cause you're like, all right, wait, I need to have my big main goal, right? Great. But then I also need to have the stuff. I don't need to have the entire, like when you start a video game, you don't know what level 17 and 19 and 22 are going to be. You know what the ending is going to be. You know, like yeah. I, I'm, I got the ending. I'm working towards that level 57 is where I'm heading. But like, you're not concerned with levels 22 to blah, blah. You don't, you don't have to figure that out yet. All I got to do is figure out my next little step now. Yeah. And so I think it's important to have that like big goal that we really want to work towards. And then also being able to appreciate where we're currently at, what we're capable of doing today. Uh, and, and you got, I mean, I don't know how many more times, I mean, I still need to hear it all the time. You don't have to have every single thing figured out. Yeah. You don't need to have every question answered yet. You know, like the, the biggest thing that I'll say is if someone has done it, it is possible. Mm -hmm. And wherever you're at in the journey right now, and whatever the obstacle is, there are people, I'm going to be, you know, 99% positive that there are people out there that have gone through it and have come out the other end. And those, those are the people that you, that keep on your radar, right? Like, you know, I've, you go into my bathroom right now and you open up the, you open up the little, uh, you know, the medicine cabinet and there's photos of my fitness goals and they were, and they were in there and those guys don't know me. We've never talked. They don't, you know, but those were there for me. That's a visual thing for me. Whatever your goals are, wherever you're at, like put visual stuff up for yourself. Like we replay negative stuff in our head so much mm -hmm. that it, that we need to like, 
treat your positivity and, and treat your goals like they are the most gorgeous Van Gogh painting and they deserve to be present in your life, whether that is on your putting that in the first thing you see when you wake up in, in the, in the morning, whether you put it in the medicine cabinet in your bathroom, whether you, I've got all these little quotes all over my place that are reminders. And it's like, for me at my core, like I get distracted yeah. at my core. I will say tomorrow seems like the better day than today. Right. But when I fill all these little pieces around me so that it, it, I joke, I always call it fill proofing my life. Like I like to take me out of it. I want to, when I have motivation, grab the motivation, find the system that's going to allow me to stay in that, surround myself with the visions of success and with what I really want. And then surround yourself with the people that, you know, share that with you, which like, if you're watching this and you're still hanging out, Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Well, like, this is great. This is the community. This is being able to like, enjoy and spend time with people. And like, that's what this is all for. So, yeah. um, I hope something there made sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have one more question, but Murph, I feel bad because like you haven't talked at all. Is it okay if I ask one more question? No, go ahead. I, I binge watch all of Phil's videos. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a huge Phil fan. I'm just here to uh, just, here's, here's my friend, Phil. Enjoy. Okay. Yeah. I just, I've been surprised lately because I, I shared this on my stories today that I just, from my highest weight, I've now lost 103 pounds and I Congratulations. just, nice. it's crazy. And, and I just couldn't imagine like, like everything you guys are saying is, is so spot on, but it's like, I didn't think I would, it's like a hundred pounds was always like in my head, like, whoa, that's like a very big stretch goal. I can't even like get there. Right. And for some reason it's like, wow, three pounds over. That's just, wow. Like I just, and so what I'm finding now is before there was this fear of failure, right? Like, I don't think I can do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to mess this up. Like I mess up everything, you know, none of that stuff is true, but just the thoughts that go, go on in my head. And now I'm kind of battling with, or seeing like, wow, like I have this fear of succeeding now. And like, wow, all of these dreams that I have that I'm saying and putting out there, they can actually like, come true and that's kind of scary too and so i'm just curious with the stuff that like you've you know been through um how do you combat that one because that one is new to me the the unlocking of new fears right <laughs> like there's a lot of stuff that we protect ourselves in different ways from mm -hmm. you know it's that old you know you can't catch you know you, you can't drop the winning pass if you're not in the game right and, and it kind of goes into, you know, there's a, a great, great long quote, and I don't know all of it, but it's like the, the story of, I think it's Theodore Roosevelt and the man in the arena. And I don't know if, you, if people know it and you pull it up or whatever, but it's, it's that idea of, you know, it's, it's not about, we don't get to a place where all the fear is gone. You know, like part of that fear is being a human and it just reaches new levels, right? We reach different levels of it, you know? We find new, you know, we, we find new opportunities and they scare the hell out of us, you know? Um, and so I think that it's one of those things that you just, you keep, it's, it's a lot of that same stuff of like, what is it that you want? Why do we want it? Um, you know, it's funny, even, even for me, like, you know, I was just back in, I, I was back in, in Michigan and I was speaking 
And I was a wreck before, before speaking at the high school, right? And I speak all the time. I was a wreck. My sister was dealing with me and I was like all in my head. And I was, you know, and it was like, I'm in my head. And what it, what it really was is like, I are, am I going to give the value that they paid me for? Mm. Am I good enough? Am I going to, are they going to, are they going to like, it's the same fears Mm. of little me. Am I good enough? Am I worth this? Am I worth the amount they're paying? Am I, you know, it's all of that stuff. And it was like, once I got out there and I had the mic in my hand, I was fine. Right. But like, it was, it's there. Like, you know, I've, I've been doing it for years and that, and those fears still pop up because it's, you know, there's the part of us, like we, anytime you find something new, I, I, I don't, there's this quote that a guy I know always says, and it's like something along the lines of like, you know, confidence comes from confidence comes from knowing that you're worth the value you're going to get. Right. And when we have, when we're being on the smaller end of ourselves and we're not having our back and we have the little, whether it's the low grade self-hatred or the distrust in ourselves or that fear that we're always going to make a mistake or that we're actually not that good. Yeah. Fear creeps in, doubt fear creeps in. It's real easy. And then where do we go? And then we try to escape that feeling into whatever the thing was. Yeah. And, but what we learn now is like, okay, it's a feeling. And it's coming from somewhere, right? We talked about who am I? Yeah. That came from some. That isn't me. Like, how do I let that feeling come in and go? How do I talk about it? Maybe journal about it, share about it, and then understand that you know what? Other people have done it. Whether that's like for some people, it's whether it's wanting to write a book or wanting to start a business, wanting to get on stages, you know, wanting to create an online course, what whatever, whatever it is that you wanted, or just wanting to be. We can. You can do it. It's just getting, finding the way, finding time to get out of our own way. And like, yeah, like right. I said, I mean, to that point of like, how do you deal? Like, I still have it at times, right? There's my sister, you know, could tell you a whole, a whole thing of like, she doesn't, you know, there's always times where I'm like, man, I just not, I don't know if I'm where I'm supposed to be yet. Or I, I feel like I got more to do or like, I haven't done anything or there's other, and she's like, dude, what is wrong with you? Right. But like, I still have that part of me that's like, the book wasn't a big deal or like, I don't, uh, yeah, but the, I know other people that work on TV shows. It's not, uh, it could be a better TV. I still have that part of me that wants to absolutely. The only words in my head are swear words. I'm, I'm running. Say it. You, know, you can do it. It's, right. It's like everything. Want, I always want to shit on what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. It's never good enough. It was never done. It, it could have been done better. Yeah. It, you know, like it, you could have cut the grass better. You could have raked better. It, and it's, it's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, and there's, we learn how to like, look, the one thing that I learned through, you know, program and a, like, I'm always, I'm always waiting for the magic door that I walk through and there's no problem on the other end. Mm. I know the door doesn't exist. I get frustrated that the door doesn't exist. But like no one thing is going to be the answer for us. We're, we're fucking human. Yeah. We're humans, you know, and crazy stuff goes on in our heads. And one of the biggest things that we can do is appreciate that. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Am I having a human moment? Am I having a human right. moment right now? Because it's yeah. like, I, I want to be a robot. I want to be a, I want to, you know, like I want to just laser focus. No, and, and we hear it. And here's the thing. We hear it all the time. 
our social media, the people we follow, mm -hmm. right? They all have the answer. They're all very confident. You follow my plan and here's the six week course and you're going to blah, blah, blah. Like we all get insecure. Yeah. We all doubt ourselves. It doesn't mean that we're not meant for greatness. It means that we're a human being. And what makes us in that makes us, you know, that can give us humility. That gives us the ability to connect with other people. Yeah. You know, and I think that that is when, whenever I see those, I'm like, how do I shift this mindset right now into something positive? How do I, how do I, how do I understand that? Like, as much as I hate admitting it, I'm a human yeah. and I'm going to have self doubt. I'm going to, I'm going to not show up. I'm not going to perform all the time the way that I want to. I'm not going to be a hundred percent. Like I can't be perfect no matter how bad I want to try. And then even when my brain says, I know that I can't be perfect, but how close can I get? Right. Like that's still perfectionism, yeah. you know? Yep. The more and more we learn about ourselves, the more and more that we share that with other people, we realize that like, you know, it ain't a bad thing to be a human being. It's pretty cool. You know, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, and even just hearing that is like, it gives me peace. It's like, I knew all of that, right? Yeah. No other people feel that. And it's still really helpful to hear it a lot of times from different people often. Yeah. And Murph's second cool friend also said, you know, Shay, what would the version of you four to five years ago say about where you are now, right? And I think that's a good, it's a good thing to sort of remind yourself, right? Like a lot of times it's very hard for us to accept and appreciate who we are right now and all of our accomplishments. But that's always a good way to sort of take into context sort of where you are and everything that you've done. Mm -hmm. So you should be proud for sure. Yeah. It's funny thinking about that question. I feel like four or five year ago, Shay would be like, like I would be unrecognizable to her. Yeah. I, she would think it was a different person. Like yep. no way that's the same person and, in a cool way. And you know, I, I was, I was talking with somebody the other day and, and, and we were thinking the other way, right? Like I had a moment where I was filled with so much gratitude because I was like, man, there's, there's a 37 year old Phil out there that didn't make a choice, didn't make a change. That's, that's a out point. there still living yeah. that life of not having healing from personal traumas out there drinking and doing things and not you know, like he wouldn't have anything, you know, like that. It's like, the, to be able to understand that, like it's so often that we think of ourselves from the other end of how yeah, much yeah. better we could be or yeah. how like this, the perfect version of, a, I used to always joke, like there's this phantom fill, the best fill, the fill that never makes a pro like, you know, my life is marching down the thing to where the one day where I meet him and he defeats me and it's the saddest thing ever, right? Yeah. It's like, right? That's so, the end of the video game. That's the, big the end of the video, right? And yeah. the truth is really annoying. I don't right. Know. Like Phantom Phil, I like. Yeah, that. Phantom Phil's crazy, right? <laughs> but then, but then I had to have that moment where I was like, "Wait a minute, no, like, wait, I'm Phantom Phil, right? Yeah. I'm the one who did the work, had the support, leaned into the change, got uncomfortable, and it's like the one thing. There's a, I'm, I'm a big quote guy. Obviously, as you can tell there's, yeah. I always, but I butcher them. I'm not good at. I, I, I love them, but I'm not good at actually delivering them. Right? It's like you're the but uncle at the cookout, right? Exactly. Has, but yeah, let me tell you. And but, yeah. but there's a quote that says like. You know, when you do the hard things now, life gets easier. And when you do the easy things now, life gets harder. Mm. And it's it's so true on a long enough timeline 
if we're always making the, the simple choice or the, e or the easy choice, mm. we're setting ourselves up for some pain and some frustration down the line. Mm -hmm. yeah. But when we can take moments now and we can make decisions that are uncomfortable, that might not be what we want to do, but when we make the hard choices now and we do the hard things now, life gets easier for us. And so wherever, you know, anyone that's still watching or wherever you're at in your journey, just you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't need to have every single plot line and knowing how it's going to be, but know that your goal can be real and it can be attained and you can start making some small motions or towards it. And you've got people in your corner mm. and there's people that want to have your back as you go through this. Uh, so I hope that you guys will, um, you know, jump on board and look, and here's the other thing. If you're watching this and you're on the other end where you've like, share your damn story, That's it. show up for other Absolutely. people. Like I'm, I am a, at my core, I always joke, like there's a bit of me that is a, it's still a self-centered little kid that wants to feel special and wants all the attention. Right. And if I am not, I joke that I serve selfishly because if I'm not out serving other people, Phil becomes the most important thing in my world. And it's all I care about. And, and, and suffering is the obsession with oneself. Mm. And so I do, people are like, oh, you do so much service stuff or you go and you talk to this and you do that. I have to, because I know me and yeah. left to my own devices on a long enough timeline you know, it starts getting real grim and it starts getting real small and self-centered. So like get out there. If you're in a position and look, we're all in a position to be able to serve people, mm -hmm. right? But like, don't diminish, please don't diminish your story wherever you're at. Don't diminish it because it, it, because you, you didn't lose as much as somebody else or because you, you, oh, well they did that thing. And I don't have this, I don't have the bullet points to, to say, we all have authority and it's based in our humanity and us being humans. Mm -hmm. That is where our authority comes from. It's not from your Wikipedia page, you know, and we're not, we're not meant to, we're not, I am not going to be a person that reaches everyone. Yeah. And we don't have to be, yeah. we cannot be all things to all people. There's going to be people that are inspired by you. There's people that look at me and think I'm like just a, a cheesy bro who talks too like those aren't my people, but that's fine because my, I have to know who my people are. Yeah. And so wherever you're at, just know that you can be, you can be, you can be inspired. You can be inspiring for others. Mm. And that all comes from us just being like taking a second, right? Stripping away all the other stuff of like, who we are, what we're supposed to be, what we have, what we don't have, who we know, who we don't know, and just be a human connecting with another human and allowing that, that kindness, that love, that joy, that community to be built. And when we do that, we can do some really, really amazing things with others and for each other. Well said. Well I said. can't think of a better place to leave everyone oh. off tonight. Other than when you were saying, you know, strip away all the, I thought you were going to take your shirt off at that point. Uh, <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that's the culmination. Uh, you had it all planned. You're just like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to drop the stripping line. You're just like, oh, come man. Off. You're right. I'm going to rip, rip my Spartan yeah. shirt. <laughs> I just rip it. And I have like a tattoo that says, I love you, Chris. Right over yeah. 
<laughs> no, and, oh and, look, and let me just say, look, I, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. And so I commend you so much for that. And, and also just the, the debt, the de- hard work, the dedication, what you guys have put in and like, Chris, I just, I love you, man. I, I really appreciate you asking me to come on and, and I'm so, uh, I'm so moved, you know, even you telling that story earlier, man, like it means so much to me. And so, uh, yeah, this is, you guys are, you guys are fantastic. I really appreciate being able to be here and, and just hang out with you guys. It's been a pleasure, man. It's, it's um, I'm so glad to finally, uh, get to, uh, we've been sending a lot of messages back and forth. We send voice messages back and forth and, and it's nice to finally be able to see you and talk to you in, in real time. And, and next time you come to Michigan or when I come out to LA, we got to get together and, uh, 100%. Yeah, love you too, man. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, are we going to throw up some hard hands for this one? Yeah, we got yeah. the love going on. Come on, Rob. Come on, Rob. That was a good one. This was a really, was really a good one. Yeah, this was such a Before we leave, too, where can we find you, Philip? If, yeah. if I know you have your book and like all, and um, just saying I'm 28 years old, so oh. I, I, I'm definitely going to be reading your book, but like, where else can we find you? But you're you shooting that shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, it, uh, you know, right on the screen it's at philip andrew la is you know you can also find me you know philip andrew la at gmail.com if you want to reach out i you know my website philipbarb.com it's you know you know talk about a guy who just wants to hear his name all the time and uh and look if you if you stuck through the whole time and you watched this whole thing and you hung out with us number one thank you very much for your time thank you Christoph. and number two please reach out like like i, I love connecting with people and in yeah. hearing yeah. what people are up to and even just to say hi, you know, you don't have to say anything crazy. Like just stay in touch with, you know, me, stay in touch with everyone on the show, support the show, like share it with a friend, right? Like I always love that thing where it's like, man, how come you haven't blown up yet? It's like, cause you didn't, did you share my stuff? That's why I didn't blow up yet. Right. So like share this, you know, like yeah. share this with people that are in your community um, that you think it would be beneficial to, uh, yeah. you know, I think that that's, you know, such an amazing thing that we can do for one another. So please message me, message everyone on the team, tell people about it, tell people about us and, uh, and have a fantastic week. And thank, uh, you. thank you guys very much for having me on. Thank you. You're very right. welcome. You're Looking very forward welcome. to thank next you. week too, you guys. I just mm. a little teaser. We're trying to do that more too, just so you guys know what's coming. But my mother-in-law who has also had bariatric surgery is going to be our guest next week. So talking yeah. about hearing more stories, I've been so proud of her. She was the one that inspired me to look into bariatric surgery and just to see her growth and how much more, um, I don't know if she's more comfortable about sharing, but she's sharing anyway. And so um, make sure you guys come next week to see her. It's going to be girl power next week. I mean, it'll just be more balanced, you know, a bit more next week. So not that I love the guys. I love the guys, but be more balanced. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on the Waiting Table podcast, where we're serving the weight loss community. One pound at a time. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. This is the dance off, Phil. You can you can join in if you want. This is this is your chance. This is your chance, Phil. <laughs> sure. Take it off. He's <laughs> <laughs> just gonna give like a little nip shot there. Oh, That'll be for the next show. We can't we can't give away everything. Yeah, that's not a sequel.
That's yeah. a sequel. It's the sequel. <laughs> I can't believe we're not singing some Creed right now. Why, why aren't we ending with oh, some Creed? Sh- yeah. No, oh, we, we don't want to get copyrighted. Uh, I don't want to have oh, to say Right? Ten second max. Ten second max. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Later. Thank you, guys. <laughs>